she was having a hard time keeping her legs together on a skill. I don't know what skill it was, but John said to her, the boys are going to love you someday because you can't keep your legs together. And she was 10. Hey guys, welcome to the All Things Gymnastics Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Bueller, alongside my co-host and twin sister, Brittany. Hey guys. Today, we are diving deep into the abusive coaching culture within USA Gymnastics. We give our thoughts on the suspension of Maggie Haney and some of the most problematic coaches within the last decade. We also talk about what we think needs to happen in order to truly see some changes within the culture of the sport. Just a warning, we are going to be talking a lot about different types of abuse, so physical abuse, sexual abuse. We do go into some detail, although it's not too graphic. We just wanted to give a warning so you guys can be aware if you feel that's something that may be triggering to you. Um, This is going to be a little bit longer of an episode, so make sure you grab a snack and let's get right into it. So let's start by talking about the big news, which is the suspension of Maggie Haney. It was announced on April 30th that she is suspended for eight years for emotional and verbal abuse. And that came after two months of hearings where there was a half dozen families that came forward and testified about her abusive coaching methods. And that included Lori Hernandez and Riley McCusker, her most notable athletes, I guess you could say. Yeah. And I believe Lori gave an in-person statement, whereas Riley wrote a letter. But both very, very brave for coming forward and, you know, giving this information to Safe Sport so that they could make a decision that needed to be made. Yeah, I think especially considering that they're both currently active gymnasts, I think that makes it so much harder for a gymnast to come out and say, like, hey, this has been happening, I'm uncomfortable with this. Mm-hmm. While they're still a part of USA Gymnastics, I think that takes a lot of courage. Yes. So there was actually a panel of three that were the ones that had to look at all the information and all the evidence that was given and come to a decision. And that was an attorney, a gym owner, and a former national team member. So we don't have names of anybody. So we don't know exactly who was the one in charge of, or who were the three that were in charge of making the decision. But I think that. Given the titles that they have, I think those people are close enough to the situation to where they can make an educated and informed decision. Yeah, I think that they know enough about the culture of the sport of gymnastics and also the direction that USA Gymnastics is trying to go. Mm -hmm. So I definitely think that the right decision was made. Yeah. What I have a problem with, though, is the fact that it took four years after Lori reported Maggie you know, she did that after Rio in 2016, and we're just now getting somewhere with it. Yeah. It took way too long. Not surprising, considering that USA Gymnastics is known for dragging their feet on things like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wish well, it didn't have to be that way for her, because now she's having to go to camps. I think she went to two, mm-hmm. where Maggie was at, and that's just so inappropriate Also, for not, her to be put in that situation. Yeah. Also, not to mention that all the other complaints that came came after Lori. So if USA Gymnastics had been a little bit more proactive, they could have prevented a lot of this abuse. Mm -hmm. But that's the same thing with the Larry Nassar scandal, too. If more people would have been proactive, if more people would have, you know... Taken the complaint seriously from the start. And took action right away because it was a concern for them. Yeah, I think it could have been handled completely differently. So that's a little bit unfortunate. Yeah. But again, not surprising. Lori has spoken out... Quite a bit since, you know, the verdict came in. 
and she's given a little bit more detail on what it was like to train with Maggie and what the atmosphere was like. She said that Maggie's abuse led to depression and eating disorders. She's also said that it prolonged her comeback because for a while she thought she hated gymnastics mm -hmm. and it took her a little bit of time to realize that it wasn't the sport that she hated. It was the people in the sport that she was having to deal with that were making her feel this way. Yeah. So she kind of pushed her comeback a little bit until it took, you know, she, she moved to California and she started training with, you know, Jenny at Gymnax and I'm, I'm glad she's found her love for the sport again, at least. She also described a lot of what the environment was like in the gym with Maggie. She said there was a lot of screaming, name-calling, comments being made about the girl's weight. Lori also mentioned that Maggie would, like, ridicule her, I guess you could say, for her breast size. Or make comments about her breast size, which is kind of ridiculous, given yeah. that she's, like, a young girl. Right. And Lori said she felt like she needed to wear two bras sometimes just to, like, keep her boobs down or, like, hide her boobs. Which is kind of that's sad, messed up. Yeah. Like, you're training for the Olympics as a young girl. That's not really, like, mm -hmm. what you should be thinking about or having to worry about. So right. it's a shame that, like, her coach is the one who's making her feel self-conscious about that. Right. Contributing to, like, problems that, like, she doesn't need to be having. Yeah. Another thing we've heard from a few different girls were that Maggie would make them remove casts while they were injured so they could train or even sometimes to compete. And... You know, that makes me think of an incident in Rio with Lori where USA Gymnastics released a statement saying that she was fine, she wasn't injured, because there were rumors going around that Lori had it kind of like a injury to her ab area and she couldn't do bars. And I know Maggie really wanted Lori to do bars because she wanted her to do the all-around. That yeah. was obviously what she was focused on. And USA Gymnastics released a statement and they were like, yeah, she's fine. Well, you know, it turns out she wasn't fine and Lori talked about that recently on Instagram Live. She was live with Allie Raisman when NBC was re-airing the 2016 Olympics and she talked about how she was in so much pain that she couldn't even do like everyday tasks. Like taking a sh her shirt off or shower. Yeah, or bending like, down things. or anything. Yeah. And like, can you imagine being at the Olympics, the biggest competition of your life, you're already nervous and have all these emotions going on and then on top of that you can't even like move and like you know live yeah. like a normal life like things that people do yeah on a day-to-day -day basis just to get by it's crazy what these girls have gone through mm -hmm. and we don't always realize it until they speak out like right. this so i i seriously do give Lori and riley and all of these girls that we're going to talk about today a lot of credit for coming forward and yeah it starts speaking their truth it starts with that riley on the other hand we all know that she had a muscle injury last year, a muscle injury that stems from overuse that actually ended up keeping her out of the world championships last year. She kind of looked rough at the back end of the year last year, and now I think we have a little more clarity on what she was actually dealing with, mm -hmm. but we know that Riley's had some injury issues in the past, and just in thinking about all this, I really started to think back to 2017, which was Riley's first year as a senior. And I remember at Classics, this video is actually still up on YouTube, so if you want to go watch it, it's it's there. It's on USA Gymnastics' channel, right? Yes. It's an interview with Riley from Podium Training before the meet, Classics 2017. And she talked about how she was not ready to be at the meet. She literally said that. She's like, I'm not ready to be competing. She said that she had just come off crutches and she was on a cast for her rest just like three weeks prior. 
And she also said that she was doing her first bar routine just three days before the meet. So completely unprepared, rushed. Like, there was no reason for her to be there. Right. No logical reason other than, like... Right, it's classics. Like, in the grand scheme of things, that meet is so, like, minor. Like, it means nothing, let's be real. Yeah, especially at the beginning of the quad, too. mm -hmm. And so to rush your athletes to get them ready to do, you know, so many events at a meet that doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things, I don't understand it. And I actually personally was, like, really confused about this at the time because I used to talk to Maggie a little bit, and she told me that Riley wasn't going to be competing. She's like, there's no way. She hasn't trained since the meet in Italy earlier in the year. She literally hadn't trained since that meet. So she's like, there's absolutely no way. Well, then, you know, a little bit later, I don't know exactly, it was, like, a certain amount of weeks or whatever, but eventually I realized that... Riley was on the roster, so then I said something to Maggie, and she's like, yeah, we're working a miracle, and it's gonna be fine, I've done this before, and I'm just kind of questioning, like, myself at the time, because <laughs> I was like, I think, I think it's because me and you were going to the meet, so I was just excited about the fact that I would get to see Riley compete, like, I yeah. was just thinking from, like, a gymnastics fan perspective, and I didn't really question, like, how can she be competing at this meet when she's not ready. You didn't put two and two together. Yeah, because she also had told me that Riley hadn't done, like, a full routine anywhere at any event. Yeah. And then suddenly there she was at Classics doing bars, beam, and floor. Well, it's interesting because I think it kind of goes into the whole, like, just trusting the coach. Like, Mm -hmm. blindly trusting the coach. Yeah. If she tells you that Riley's ready to go... You're like, okay, Riley's ready to go. Right, like she said You literally that. don't even question it. She's, but I think that's the problem. She said Between that to parents, me. parents, gymnastics fans, everyone. We just don't question it. Or not many people question it. Right. Well, yeah, because she said that to me. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, I'm so excited. And I thought nothing of it. And now in hindsight, you're like, I'm a dumbass. Now I'm going back and reading these messages. And I'm like, holy crap. Like, this doesn't add up. No, not at all. And... Like, yeah, I feel like that was such, like, a glaring, like, red flag. And I was just like, do-do-do, life's great, can't wait to see Riley at Classics. Yeah. And then it it turns out, you know, Riley didn't even end up making it to Worlds that year. It's sad that she is as talented as she is, and she hasn't even been to... She's been to one World Championship. She's she's had the opportunity to be at three, and she's only made one. And it's because of injuries and being overworked and, you know, being pushed beyond what she needs to be pushed. Yeah. Especially in 2017, that early in, in, you know, her journey. Yeah. No, I agree completely. There's a lot of stuff about the whole Maggie Haney situation that is really messed up. But one of the things that I just was, like, shocked by was when we basically found out that Maggie threatened to commit suicide if her top elites, including Riley, left the gym during all this. I think that's just another form of control. That's a form of manipulation. We often see that in toxic relationships, like romantic relationships, where you feel like you you threaten that person, they're going to feel guilty now if they leave. Yeah. So in a sense, it's just another form of control. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's a very manipulative and nasty thing to do to young girls who we know now that are in this terrible environment and to also have that weighing on their shoulders, you know, in the back of their mind, they're thinking, 
I'm in control of what, if I were to leave, if I were to leave the situation that I don't feel safe in, I'm now in control of whatever this person does. Right. And if it's Ma- because of me. And if Maggie does that, it's going to be my fault. That's such a terrible, terrible thing to do. Right. That's what I said. Like, you think in a relationship, that's a red flag. It's no different when it's a coach. Mm-hmm. It's just as terrible and it's just as much of a concern. And we found out, you know, in the days after her suspension, we've gotten so many more details and... There was another news story that came out with information about Victoria Levine, who was coaching with Maggie. They're kind of like partners in crime. Yeah. And there was a story about how a gymnast, they don't say a name, but they say it was before the U.S. championships, and this gymnast was being asked to do a release move that she didn't feel comfortable doing, and she asked the coaches to assist her or spot her, and... Uh, Victoria says that she can't because of some, like, procedure that she had done, which I'm like, okay, so then why are you in the gym? Right, maybe you shouldn't be coaching, there's a thought. Right. Like, Me with the sarcasm, but, like, for real, though, like... Don't come into the gym and then refuse to spot people and do your job because you have this procedure done and you can't. If you can't coach, then don't come to work. Yeah. It's just like when you're sick, you can't go to work. Spot on. Spot on, sister. (laughs) I'm snapping my fingers over here. So anyways, with that incident... The gymnast ended up going for the move anyways, and she fell. She, like, hit her head on the bar, bounced down onto the floor, and she fell on, like, a exposed piece of concrete, which that's also, like, why is there concrete, exposed concrete in the gym? Like, that sounds real safe. Yeah. That's a problem right there as well. And so she fell, hit her head on the ground, and then she fell into the pit. And the reports say that Maggie and Victoria were, like, sitting there laughing, and the girl actually was having a seizure in the foam pit. Oh, that is so sad and scary. Yeah. For all the- even those girls in the gym that watched it happen. Mm-hmm. Can we imagine what was going through their heads? And that, to me, crosses- this isn't even about gymnastics anymore and, like, coaching. Like, this is- that's, like, straight up- abuse like child abuse yeah and and negligence too it's It's no different than like watching your child at home fall or doing something that you know is not safe for them to be doing like if they were sitting on the countertop and they fell like that's not safe they shouldn't be doing that then they fall and they hit their head and start having a seizure and like you think that that's funny right truly and if that was a parent who did that wouldn't they get their child taken away wouldn't there be some sort of, like, criminal charges mm-hmm. against the parent? So why would this situation be any different? Why should it be any different? Exactly. Why are we overlooking this just because it's a coach? I mean, I don't think it was overlooked in the sense that she still got an eight-year, you know, suspension. But, like, when I hear those things, I'm like, is that enough? Mm-hmm. We'll get there. I wouldn't trust her with my kids. I wouldn't either. We'll get there in a second, because I have another thing I want to mention. <laughs> Great. So... Another absolutely ridiculous thing that we've now found out is Maggie would shame her girls for having their periods, for going through a very normal stage of development. You know, this is what happens when you get older. And her girls were so afraid of Maggie finding out that they were on their period. There was one example that was given that a girl was in the bathroom and someone else walked in and the gymnast was basically begging her teammate to not tell Maggie. It's like, yeah. As if it's anything that they can control. Let's create more problems. Let's create fear over something that is completely natural and normal. Yeah. 
And also, like, not anything to do with gymnastics. Like, I get it from a, a, her stupid, ignorant perspective that it's probably, like, their bodies are going to change because they go through puberty. Like, I, I think I understand, like, why she thought that. But, no. Getting your period is not the equivalent of gaining weight. Exactly. And I, I believe, I don't have it written down, so it might not be exact, but I believe there was a quote saying that Maggie said that periods are for people that are fat. Well, I guess we're all fat. I've been fat my whole life. <laughs> like, that's such an ignorant thing to say. It truly is, especially to a young kid that just doesn't know any better, and they trust, and they listen, and they believe to everything their coach says. Mm-hmm. And there was another incident, too, that involved Victoria Levine and Maggie, of course, where a gymnast was having an anxiety attack before she got up on the bars, and they were laughing, and were like, oh, do you have Tourette's? Like, it's all just a big joke. Yeah. And it's also extremely offensive. Mm-hmm. And Victoria is still allowed to coach. From my understanding, she's being investigated, so something could come of that. And but I hope something does. I hope so, too. to me, she's an enabler. Mm-hmm. She's no different than, really, what Maggie was doing. Right. She's, she's a part of it. She's in the gym. She's watching it. She can see all this happening. She's participating in it by laughing and not putting a stop to it. She's participating in it. Mm-hmm. And she's really just as bad. So, yeah, she's suspended. And I guess she can have, she can coach as long as she has supervision. Um, and we'll see what comes of that. Maggie, on the other hand, she can't coach for eight years. And if she does come back after that eight years is up, she will be put on a two-year probation period. So I do think that the eight-year suspension sends a strong message in the sense that emotional and verbal abuse won't be tolerated. USA Gymnastics has never laid down a sentence like that for anybody, for something like that. For emotional abuse. Yeah, so I do think that it's good in that sense to where it's going to hopefully make coaches think twice about the things that they say to their athletes and how they're emotionally affecting their athletes. I do, however, think that with some of the other pieces of information that we've now found out that has been made public, I don't know if eight years does her abuse justice. Yeah. I feel like... With gymnasts falling and having seizures and, you know, making girls train and compete while injured and ruining their bodies, essentially. I feel like... That's physical harm. Yeah, It's literally abuse and neglect. It's no different, like I was saying earlier, than if a parent were to do that to their Mm -hmm. child. That child would get taken away. Right. And I just don't know if it's right for her to ever be coaching again. Because right now, she could theoretically come back after her eight years is up. Which I don't agree with. I would not be okay with that. I mean, I think her reputation is pretty much trash at this point anyways. So I would hope that a parent wouldn't send their kid there. But there's always going to be people out there who still support her. Just like people mm-hmm. who probably still support Larry Nassar. Oh, definitely. John Getter. You know, it's definitely. the same thing. It's like something so blatantly obvious and something so like terrible could happen. And there'll still be people who support them and send mm-hmm. their kids to them. I don't think that if she were to come back, it would be successful. But just the fact that she has the option to come back kind of bothers me. I don't feel like she should have that option. Mm -hmm. And also right now, she could technically still go out out of country. She could coach somewhere else. We've seen a lot of coaches do that. And she could also technically coach anywhere that's not affiliated with USA Gymnastics. Yeah. So her options are limited at this point, but I'm just not comfortable with the fact that she's still able to coach if she wants to. And when her suspension is up, that she'd be able to coach as well. You mentioned to me... That her daughter would be, if we're doing our math correctly, she'd be 16, I think? I think, yeah. And so, 
I always kind of felt like her daughter was, like, destined to be an elite gymnast from MG Elite because it's like, why not? Her mom is basically the main coach, mm-hmm. and she's the one who brings the girls from that gym to the elite level. So it's like, if she has this daughter that was looking promising, in my opinion, and she grew up in that gym, basically. Yeah. And you're telling me that when she turns 16, and she's, you know, basically old enough to be a senior elite, that her mom's not going to come out of the woodwork and try and coach her? kind of have a hard time believing that. And that's that she, why... That she wouldn't, you know? Yeah. That she's going to just sit back and... That's why I hope that... I don't know how the process works. I don't know if it's too late for USA Gymnastics to, like, change their mind and be like, actually, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> actually, you're more terrible than we thought. Right. I think that this information was the information that the panel had when they made the decision for eight years. Um, so I don't think that... I don't know if anything can be done at this point, but I kind of hope that maybe they could reconsider it because I don't think it's safe to have Maggie or Victoria coaching gymnastics ever again. Yeah, I agree. I also just want to say that I feel like now looking back on this whole situation, I feel like Maggie was never a very nice person to begin with because like I said, I I had interacted with her. I didn't know her like deeply and I'm not going to pretend like I did. But me and her had always interacted on, you know, through messages and social media. Usually about her athletes. Yeah, and, you know, I was always so nice about her athletes. Truly, because I loved them. I thought they were great. And I felt like she never had anything nice to say about any of her girls. And now that all this information has come out, it kind of is, like, making me more aware of her true colors, I guess. And how almost... You, as somebody who is removed from the situation, could so be manipulated in a way. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of, like, how things were with us and John Getter, too. Which we can get into John Getter in a minute here, but... It was almost like they wanted to keep me and you in, like, their good graces. So that way, if something were to come out about them, which in both their cases did end up happening, we would just say good things about them because we were, like, on their side. Yeah. You know what I mean? John would allow us to come in and watch practice. He would let us come in and film and do interviews with his athletes. He also one time let me use him on my resume as like a reference when I was applying for an internship with Inside Gymnastics Magazine. And at the time, my teenage self, I thought that was like the coolest thing ever because, you know, he's John Getter. He's the coach of Jordan Weber. You know, she's an Olympic athlete. She's our favorite gymnast. So I just thought that was so cool. And... Similar with Maggie, she would, you know, give us information about her girls. She would help me to get stuff signed by them, like things autographed for my room. And she even offered to help me get the limited edition Final Five cereal box. Because if you guys don't know, I I posted it before, but I collect like all the cereal boxes with gymnasts on them. And that one was out of stock, I guess, by the time I realized it was a thing. She like was going to help me get it. Which is really nice, and, you know, I I did appreciate the niceness from her and John, but, I don't know, it seemed like it was kind of their way of controlling us. Yeah. Or... Or having us, like, in their corner. Yeah. Because, you know, both of them would try to control the things that we said on Twitter. They would message us many times and either tell us to delete things or, like, question why we're posting something, um... I wrote an article for International Gymnast Magazine on Olivia Greaves, and 
Maggie would message me and like tell me to change the wording of stuff and not like anything bad, but it's just like the mindset that it's the control. Yeah, that she knew that she could ask me to do anything and I would do it. And they wanted us. I think they both wanted us to defend them, and we kind of did. Yeah. Um, especially John. Looking back, you know how we were when the news started coming out about him. With the the incident where he was pushing the coach. Yeah, and people in the gymnastics world were talking about it. And me and you were just really, like, defensive about it. And almost, like, we felt the need to be, like, protective. Which is kind of weird because it's not like we had anything invested in him or in the gym. No, but I think it kind of just all ties back in. It's like, if he's doing so many nice things for us, then it's like, isn't that our duty to defend him? Like, we felt that way, I think. Mm-hmm. So it's easy to see how a gymnast could feel that way, Yeah, because we were also really young, too, when that was happening. We were, like, what, 15, 16 years old? Mm-hmm. And Maggie and John, in some way or another, had expressed, like, thankfulness for us being there and being on their side and for being so supportive of their athletes. And, yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of weird. It's interesting to think about now in hindsight. Mm-hmm. And with Maggie, I just... I always felt bad for her gymnast that she never really seemed to have anything nice to say about them when she was talking to me when I was trying to, like, compliment them. Yeah. And it also was really interesting to think about all the athletes that have left that gym. Not just elites, but, like, the level 10s, too. She's had so many athletes, even before all this started happening, that decided to leave her gym. And, and some that even quit the sport. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, yeah, it's just interesting to think about, like, how someone can present themselves one way when they're on TV or when they're giving an interview, but then, like, when you hear stories from people that actually know them or when you're actually kind of talking to them yourselves, you you start to see, like, another side of them. Yeah. And I might have been a little naive back then, but I'm not anymore. And... Yeah, I feel like I can see I can see it all now when I look back on it. And I'm glad that justice is finally being served. And hopefully justice will be served for John Geddert too, which we'll we'll get into that right now if you want to take it away, Brittany. I know you got some story time for us. Well, so I've been reading this is actually the second time I've read this book. It's called The Girls by Abigail Pasta. And I would highly recommend it if you're into uh, I guess learning about abusive culture within USA Gymnastics. Um, This book really talks a lot about not only the Larry Nassar scandal, but also the people who enabled him. So MSU and John Getter in particular. It's really, really, really detailed. So I do want to just give a disclaimer because I am going to read here in a minute a part of this book that there's some stuff in here that's talked about that I haven't heard people on the gym tonight talking about. Yeah. I think I've seen it, like, once or twice, but people aren't making a very big deal out of this stuff, and I feel like it should be a big deal, because it's very concerning. Yeah, I mean, we know about John Geddert's coaching tactics. Similar to Maggie, a lot of yelling and name-calling and fat-shaming and uh, throwing things. I was reading about him throwing, like, springboards, throwing clipboards, pushing girls mid-skill. They'll be running down the vault runway, and he'll push them if he's not happy with the way they're performing that day on vault. Um, he's had a lot of athletes speak out against him. Lindsay Lemke, or Lindsay Hall, her name is because she's married now, she had a series going on her YouTube channel. She's not posting on her YouTube channel anymore, but the series is still up if you want to check that out. And also, she recently started a podcast called Progress Not Perfection. 
So a little plug for her. I've really been enjoying listening to her kind of dive deeper into her story as a gymnast and really everything that she went through. But I wanted to talk about two gymnasts in particular from Great Lakes Gymnastics, which is a gym that John Getter used to coach at before opening up Getter's Gymnastics. This was in like the 80s. So the first gymnast was... Sarah Teresti. It might be Sarah Teresti. I'm not quite sure if I'm saying her last name right, but her name is Sarah and she talked a lot about like the physical abuse and the neglect. She told a story about how when she was like first starting out at the gym, she was learning a round off back handspring back talk. So a pretty basic skill, but she needed a spot and mid skill, I guess she was kind of like taking off the runway and John just turned around and like walked away mid skill and she ended up landing on her head. And hurting herself. It's similar to the Maggie thing where the girl hit her head on the cement and started having a seizure. Yeah. They just literally will Stop be like... Stop coaching. Like, they're mad with the way you're doing it. And it's like, bye, peace out, I'm walking away. I'm not going to do my job. Yeah, they end up hurting themselves. And um, she talked about being weighed regularly, which is something that's another common thread among abusive coaches. And running laps in the parking lot... I'm not sure how common this is. If you guys are affiliated with a gym or if you're a former gymnast, if you have any way to tell me your thoughts on this, I'm not sure how common this is. But John used to make his gymnasts run laps in the parking lot in their leotards, which we actually saw firsthand. We were at the gym back in 2013 filming. Mm -hmm. Like, we were filming practice, and then they all just, like, went outside and I was like, okay, I don't know if this is normal, but... Yeah, and then they came back, and I heard one of them say, like, they were jogging outside. Yeah. So, the... I, also, I thought that was bizarre, and she mentioned it in the book, so... Um, then there was some sexual harassment, creepy sexual comments that I kind of wanted to mention. Which, again, just another quick disclaimer, if you're uncomfortable by things of a sexual nature, maybe just fast forward a few minutes. Yeah. Because this is a little bit detailed. And it's kind of creepy. I'm not going to lie. So there was a comment when she was, Sarah, I'm talking about, she was 10 years old. She was having a hard time keeping her legs together on a skill. I don't know what skill it was. But John said to her, the boys are going to love you someday because you can't keep your legs together. And she was 10 when he said that. So that's really creepy. She said that he would walk into the bathroom. There was absolutely like no boundaries with him. And it kind of, like, blurs that line for the gymnast, I feel like, too. Like, mm -hmm. even when it comes down to, like, Larry Nassar. So these girls are young, and if John Goddard's walking in the bathroom while they're going to the bathroom, while they're changing, you know, whatever they're doing, how do they learn boundaries, healthy boundaries? Right. And also... With an adult male. Yeah. And also, if, you know, John's not respecting their privacy... How do we how do we trust that he was going to pay attention to Larry respecting their privacy? And I'm not going to get into... There's a lot of back and forth discussion on whether John got it new or not that Larry Nassar was abusing all these girls in his gym, which we're not going to get into that here and now today. But it just kind of... Just entertaining that idea of, you know, if he doesn't respect their privacy in areas where they 100% should be having privacy, how do we know that he had any care in the world to make sure that Larry was also respecting their privacy? Yeah, absolutely. Another comment was she ended up falling on her hands and knees. So she landed and was on her hands and knees. And I guess John came up to her. He, like, sat on her, like, sat on her back. And she said that he was, like, riding her in a sexual way and saying, like, 
really creepy things like, oh, you like that baby? So she's like a young girl. That uh, that makes me that grow literally up. makes my skin crawl. Mm. I'm not surprised because I feel like you look at John Getter and you can tell he's a creep. But yeah. I'm also like, nope. Me and you, we talked about this before. Like when we had been in the gym with him, like we we don't we didn't know what it was, but we felt weird about him. Mm. Like something just felt off. Like he was creepy. He was scary. Like he's super intimidating. Mm-hmm. Coming from a person who has, I personally have never been a gymnast. You were actually for a brief I was, period. I was of time. a shitty gymnast. But like, <laughs> I'm not a gymnast. I'm some essentially, excuse my swearing, but like a random ass girl that just comes into the gym because I'm a gymnastics fan, and he would let us like film stuff. But like, I was intimidated by him. Yeah. So now, like knowing everything that we know and kind of like putting myself in the shoes of some of the gymnasts. I completely understand the fear of, like, speaking up and or saying, like, that made me uncomfortable. I didn't mm-hmm. like that you said that to me, you know? Yeah. And I think for, at first, it just was, like, physical. Like, it was him being either abusive physically or, like, he was just scary. He seemed scary. Stuff like that. But then to find out, like, these sexual, sexually inappropriate things that he's doing. Oh, just wait. It gets like, worse. That makes me uncomfy. It gets worse, guys. So, like I said, this is all coming from, I'm just re-saying it but it's from the book the girls by abigail pasta so this isn't my information i want to give credit where credit's due this book is amazing mm-hmm. seriously like right now go to amazon put it in your cart there's another gymnast named shelby rue so she was a gymnast at the university of iowa and then she also ended up transferring to central michigan university to actually be closer to john getter because she had a sort of like relationship with him a sexual relationship with him um, she says in the book that she feels that she was groomed from a young age and she came to the gym. So this is Great Lakes Gymnastics again in 1985. She was 16 years old when she came and she said that John was always nicer to her than he was the other athletes. He would always invite her to like private lessons to like get some extra training in. Like, oh, he, he really believed in her. He said, oh, you're going to get a college scholarship someday. He didn't treat her the same way that he would treat the other girls in the gym. And she sort of started to pick up on that. So there was an instance where Shelby, when she was 17, John gave her a drink after a meet. So I guess like when the meet concluded, they were like hanging out. There was other coaches and gymnasts around promoting underage drinking. For real though. So he gave her a drink. She she was starting to feel a little bit like tipsy. And then they, like, walked out to the beach together, and he was, like, holding her hand and, like, holding her, saying, I don't know what I'm going to do when you go off to college. Really just grooming her, because... Was he with his wife at this time? Yes. Okay. I actually had to go back and reread that to make sure I understood it correctly. Yes, he was with his wife at this time. And then he was grooming her, I was about to say, because now she turns 18, she goes off to college... When she ends up coming home for, like, I don't know, probably, like, a winter break or something, she came home for something, and he invited her to come to another meet, just to, like, be there. So, she's not coaching. He's like, you can just come and support the girls, and she's like, okay, great. So, she's 18, John is 29, and they are swimming in a hotel pool together with other coaches and the gymnasts that were at the meet. Well, when everyone goes to bed, they all leave, he has sex with her in the pool. And so I'm going to read a little little tiny snippet of the book. Again, possibly some graphic details in this. Skip forward like a minute if you're uncomfortable with the thought of that. So this is from Shelby. She says, 
I remember he eventually had me with my back against the pool wall, and he was in front of me, one arm on each side, and he kissed me for the first time. I remember being surprised and not sure how to react, and I went along with it, she says. Then he escalated. He moved my bathing suit bottom over to the side and proceeded to have sex with me. It was my first time, so I didn't have any experience, and I wasn't sure how to respond. She didn't worry about being seen because she trusted him as her former coach, assuming that everything must be alright, she said. I didn't have protection, nor did he. I didn't think or consider any consequences. I followed his lead, didn't question, and trusted. I did what I had been trained to do, she adds. I remember being confused that he picked me. There wasn't anything special about me. I had just gotten my braces off earlier that year. I was just an average girl. So I think that really... That shows the like the power imbalance, mm-hmm. even. And the trust that these girls having their coaches yeah because she said like she had confliction about even because then obviously it continues on and she's conflicted about the fact that she essentially just lost her virginity to her coach her former coach because now she's in college who was grooming her all the whole time until she was basically legal it was legal for him to do it yes which is exactly his intention and that's what bothers me Mm -hmm. his intentions the whole time was for that to happen. He's preying on his own athletes. Yeah. That's exactly what that is. When she was, you know, before she was 18, he was looking at her in a sexual way. Yeah. And was thinking about this moment when she, he could make a move because it's legal. And that, to me, is where I think even ethically, from USA Gymnastics standpoint, how can you have him... I mean, now he's suspended, but, like, all those years. This is back in the 80s mm-hmm. we're talking did anyone know about it? Do you know that? Yeah. She said that when she went off to college, that people knew that they were, like, a thing. But the problem, I think, is because she was 18 at that time. It is legal. But he was her coach. And that's what I'm trying to say, is that, like, it's really no different than, like, at the University of Michigan when Scott Battieri and the, the gymnast, I don't want to say her name just because I don't feel like putting people on blast, even though it's public. But, like, how is that indifferent? You know what I mean? Right. There's a, a if power imbalance. Yes, exactly. He was her coach. This this is not, uh, you know, when you're in the gym coaching, John, this is not a dating website. This is not a chance for you to be scoping out, you know, who you think is going to be a prime for you when they turn 18. It's disgusting. It pisses me off. You can't tell. I'm, like, getting heated about it. <laughs> I wish but, you guys could see us. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, mm. But he ended up, like, they broke it off eventually. He, she said that he just, like, stopped coming around. My guess is because he started to get, like, scared. He probably did start to have, like, a brain in his head and think this is not right. And so they kind of, like, stopped talking. And then he reached out to her again in 2007. So, again, he's still married. Um, This is around the time Jordan Weber was coming up in the junior ranks. He's sending Shelby pictures about their travels together and asking her how she's doing like sort of trying to like rekindle that relationship again Mm -hmm. and she didn't respond and then she said that he contacted her again in 2017 when the whole Larry Nassar scandal kind of broke and he was clearly just trying to clear his name because there was a safe sport investigation going on and probably knowing that this was going to somehow be brought up into it he messaged her basically saying like we need to talk about this um, we need to make sure that we're, like, on the same page. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you need to, like, never contact me again. Yeah, she's so, obviously trying to get far away from him. Yeah. I, I think she ended up moving out of the country. Really? Yeah. I want to say they said Australia. Hmm. But, yeah, I'm like, honestly, I don't blame you. 
Yeah. She was traumatized from the situation. I bet. It's awful. Yeah. So, if you guys want to know, I guess, more details about John and really how he's... Let's see. What's the list? Controlling, manipulative, predatory, entitled, narcissistic. You got anything else? <laughs> He's truly all of those things. Um, and I think this book does a really, really good job of painting that picture, telling the story for so many of these young girls mm-hmm. and how they were preyed upon really by both those men, John yeah. Getter and Larry Nassar. So it's a great book. I highly recommend. At Evernorth Health Services... We believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. So I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the other coaches within USA Gymnastics that have been accused of abuse, whether it's sexual, physical, emotional. There's a lot of coaches in USA Gymnastics that have had complaints made against them and sort of contribute to the culture in general. Yes. And it's kind of concerning to me that a lot of them are either still currently active as coaches or they have been active very recently, meaning like within the last 10 years. So I kind of wanted to go a little bit into the list of coaches that have been problematic in USA Gymnastics. I think that the if you're going to make a list of coaches, you have to include the Carolis. Mm-hmm. They're kind of the ringleaders of it all, at least in my opinion. And I think many people I think would, probably, probably would agree with that. So the Carolis have had many gymnasts speak out about their abusive coaching tactics. Perhaps the biggest one was Dominique Moschiano. She wrote a book, which was really good. What was the name of her book? Uh, off Balance? I was going to say, yeah. I off think it's Balance. Off Balance. Um, but look up Dominique Morciano's book. We're, we're coming through here with the literature. Yeah, we are. I, I love gymnastics books. So if you ever need a good read, let us know because mm-hmm. we can help you out. But she was really critical in her book of the Crowleys and one of the first public accusers, I guess you could say, of, you know, abuse for the Crowleys and she talked about how she was overworked they would make comments about her weight um there was a story where I guess they went through her stuff and they found candy like a Twizzlers or something yeah it was in like a little um she had a stuffed animal with like a little like pouch that you can like put stuff in and yeah she had a little bit of candy in there and they found it because they went through her things and and then they called her dad and her dad came and started screaming at her in front of the Crowleys. And her dad hit her or, like, slapped her across the face. And they sat there and didn't do anything. Yep. And she was still made to train basically, like, a half hour later. hmm And, you know, there's been so many athletes that have spoke out about the Crowleys. We'd be here for days if we actually went through every single allegation that there was. But I think the common thread between all the athletes is they were afraid of the Crowleys. They didn't want to go to the ranch. There was a lot of anxiety and fear and the Crowleys were kind of known for using like intimidation as a, like a coaching technique. That was kind of how they got what they wanted was that they knew that they were almost like powerful figures in the gymnastics world. And they knew that people were afraid and people weren't going to stand up to them. Yeah. Um, two girls that really stand out to me 
for, you know, speaking out against the Crowleys. Maddie Larson was a big one. She talked about in her impact statement at Larry Nasser's sentencing. She talked about how she would do anything she could to get out of going to camp. And she said one time she, you know, pretended like she, she staged a mishap, I guess you could say, where she fell and hit her head on the bathtub and made it so she wouldn't have to go to camp. And that's just really sad to think about. Yeah. And also... show was the desperation, I think. Yeah. And Michaela Skinner, too, in our latest interview with her, she didn't go into specifics, but she said that she would do anything to get out of camps. And said that she would have, like, panic attacks and stuff before, you know, the day before she had to go. You know, she dreaded having to pack. Mm-hmm. And I think it just goes to show, like, how much the athletes did not want to be there. And also throughout the years, how much the culture didn't change. Mm-hmm. We're talking Dominic Musciano in the 90s and Michaela Skinner, who's a recent gymnast. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking 2016 when mm-hmm. the Crowleys were around. Right. So. And there was a lawsuit against the Crowleys that says that they would hit, scratch gymnasts until they bled, encourage parents to hit their gymnasts, or hit their, not their gymnasts, their daughters. <laughs> <laughs> They're also gymnasts, but to hit their, their children, which is not surprising, knowing what we know about what Dominique said. Um, there was also claims that they deprive them of food, forcing them to train while sick, calling them fat. You know, the list goes on and on, the things that the Crowleys did to almost make this culture seem okay. And then meanwhile, you have all these coaches that see what the Crowleys do or have done for all these years in the sport, and then they also think it's okay. Because if the Crowleys are doing it and they're getting away with it, then why can't they? Right. Why why is that not, you know, a way of life? Exactly. When it comes to gymnastics, so. Valeria Liukin was another one, and he, ironically, filled Marta's spot right when she retired, and... How fitting that when one abusive coach retires, another one steps in to continue that culture going in USA Gymnastics. And Caitlin Ohashi actually shared some diaries that she had written back from her time as an elite gymnast. And she wrote that her coach, which was Valeri, believed that her mistakes were because she was too heavy. And she also said that Valeri would relay messages from Marta after they'd come back from national team camps and that Marta was not happy with her body. So that, of course, leads to unhealthy habits, like measuring her thighs, not eating. And, you know, it's sad because she she doesn't... How can she love her body when she's constantly being ridiculed or reminded of... You know, how not great her body is from these adults in her life. And also, I think it's... Their entire worth is really centered around their body and what their bodies can do. Mm -hmm. Their body is basically... I don't want to say their livelihood, but that's, that's what they need to excel in the sport. And if your coach and the higher ups at USA Gymnastics have a problem with your weight, your, your, your weight, I say with air quotes, then you lose that sense of self worth. Yeah. And if they're not okay with you, you being how you are, how how do you expect the athlete to ever be okay with how they are either? Right. And from a young age, too, I think it's important to note that when you're a young child, the experiences that you have during that time period really shape your brain. It molds you into the person that you end up becoming. And I think that's what a lot of these girls are dealing with now as they grow older and they leave the sport. They've lost their identity. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a hard time 
loving any aspect of themselves because everything they did was never good enough. Their bodies weren't good enough. They didn't go to the Olympics. They weren't successful. You know, all these things that they've been told throughout the years from adults who they trusted and whom they looked up to. And And adults that are supposed to care about them. Another instance with Valeri was from Mackenzie Wofford. And she was an elite gymnast back in 2010, I think, was when she became an elite. And if you're more familiar with college gymnastics, she actually was an Oklahoma Sooner. She came forward with some stories where Valeri would weigh certain athletes in the gym and would make them go on the treadmill if he felt like they were too big. Before practice. Yeah, he would do this before practice. Like, you're too big, I'm not satisfied with the way you look, go do some cardio. She also talked about one time where she had a stomach virus at camp, at national team training camp, and she was forced to train until she could show her stool to a trainer as proof that she was actually sick. Mm. Valeria made her do that. Sounds like something the Crawlers would do. That's humiliating Mm -hmm. to have to do that. And they're not trusting her when she says that she's sick. So that's basically sending the message that, you know, your coach doesn't trust you. They think you're a liar. Vanessa Atler was also really critical of Valeri. She did an interview with Jim Castic where she said that she was weighed three times a day. Three times a day. That's what? Before practice, during practice, and then after practice? Yeah. And the thing is, your weight fluctuates. Mm-hmm. Whether you're wearing clothes or you're naked, you have poop and you have to go. <laughs> like, whether you just ate a meal. Like, truly, though, like... Your weight fluctuates, so weighing yourself three times a day is not really, I, I want to say accurate, because, mm-hmm. you know, you, you go to the bathroom and you <laughs> you lose a couple of pounds and you shit. <laughs> I was trying to find a way to say it that wasn't, like, extremely obnoxious, but basically, yeah, like, well, come on now, like, I guess, and she didn't have to worry about her water weight or anything, because that was another thing. Valeria told her that... She shouldn't drink water because it makes her look bloated. It would, or it would make her bloated. So now you're telling an elite athlete not to drink water, not to keep themselves hydrated. During however many hours of practice. Yeah, that's yeah. extremely toxic. Vanessa also had an eating disorder, which she credits Valeri for. And, you know, knowing what we know about him as a coach, I'm not surprised that, you know, she credits him for her eating disorder because he sounds like he was a very unhealthy coach. Yeah, absolutely. Like I just said, I think that... Those childhood experiences really shape who you become and the struggles that you have mm-hmm. as you get older. The the identity issues, the body issues. Um, yeah, those key figures in your life growing up have everything to do with that. Valeri actually did apologize for what his what what he was accused of with Vanessa Atler, and he said that times were different back then. And that his coaching techniques have since changed. However, I don't know how true that is because Vanessa was an elite gymnast back in like the late 90s, 2000. Um, and Caitlin and Mackenzie were elite gymnasts in 2010 in that you know time frame. Which there's a big time gap between the na- late 90s and 2010. Yeah. So if he didn't... I, I doubt he changed after Caitlin Ohashi. Um, if he didn't change between Vanessa to Caitlin Ohashi, I doubt he's changed now. Yeah. And he's it's, also still coaching in Brazil. Yeah. It's more of a, a cop-out, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. 
Another coach that is still coaching that has a history of abuse is the Strausses. At least Donna Strauss is still coaching. I don't know if Bill is, but Jennifer Say was really critical of them in her book, Chalked Up, another really great gymnastics book. <laughs> and if you don't know, Jennifer was the 1986 national champion, and she talked a lot about how the Strausses were toxic in the gym. She said that Mrs. Strauss would say things about her weight, like, I don't coach fat gymnasts. And she also said that Bill would throw things like metal chairs, um, things that we I think we hear very often in abusive situations in gymnastics. And she also had an eating disorder, which was kind of brought on by being told she was fat and being encouraged to not eat and stuff like that. Al Fawn is another one who is still coaching active elite gymnasts. He has several national team members, Olympic contenders, and he is, from my understanding, the only coach that's had two gymnasts die, and also in such a short period of time. That's what's really alarming about it. So another book for you guys in the book, Little Girls in Pretty Boxes, that book really dives deeper into the whole situation with the two gymnasts that I'm going to talk about, Jalissa Gomez and Christy Henrich. Christy told reporters in 1993 that Al Fawn would call her the Pillsbury Doughboy. And, of course, he denies doing that, of course. Of course. But Christy suffered from an eating disorder, and it kind of started with a, a judge at a meet that told her that she was never going to make it to the Olympics unless she lost weight. And then that kind of started it or triggered it for her. And then Alfon made a comment about her being a Pil Pillsbury Doughboy, which is not a very nice thing to say yeah. as a coach to your athlete. For sure. And she... That's that, that kind of stuff sticks with you. Yeah. Well, and, and she ended up dying in 1994. She weighed 52 pounds. Wow. And she died from organ failure that was brought on by anorexia. It's so sad. It's very sad. Another one of his athletes, Julissa Gomez, she was a gymnast in the late 80s, and she broke her neck doing a vault, or your Chanko-style vault, which at that time, it was a, a somewhat new skill. There were some girls doing it, and it's not as popular as it is now. Um, back then, they also had the vaulting table, or the, excuse me, the vaulting horse. It's a lot a, more narrow of a surface. Yes, as opposed to the table that they vault on now. So... Allegedly, Julissa had been doing that vault for three years, but was never really prepared to actually do it. One of her teammates, Shelly Stack, said that she should never have been doing that vault, but she was kind of made to do it by her coach, and she was at a competition in practice before the meet. She hit her neck. She went backwards under the table and hit her neck on the table, and she eventually slipped into a coma and died three years later. Yeah. Again, it, it goes into the trust. You know, mm -hmm. they these girls are trusting their coaches to to make these decisions for them. If your coach is telling you that you're going to do this fault, then you're going to do it. Right. Like, there is no questioning. So you could say that, you know, the thing with Alphon, that, that those were gymnasts from so long ago. You know, maybe he's different. Kind of like Valeri. But... To me, it doesn't seem that much has changed because he had a more recent athlete, Ivana Hahn, in 2008. She actually became an elite in 2004, but she was from that cycle. And she said that Al told her to ignore the pain in her foot. And he told her not to go to the doctors. He said nothing was wrong. Everything was fine. And luckily, Ivana did not ignore 
it's Ashley in editing. I just want to say, obviously, I meant to say, luckily, she did ignore his requests. <laughs> you know, his requests. And she ended up going to the doctors and found out that she had a fractured foot or a fractured ankle. She also said that Al stopped coaching her after she didn't make the Olympics. And after the selection camp, when she was announced as an alternate, she still had a train, of course. And she said that Al gathered like all the girls in the gym around the beam where she was training and said who's the dumbest and made them all point at her and say oh vanna's the dumbest and mm -hmm. so again i think it just goes to show that when once an abusive coach always an abusive coach yeah and i don't think that when people have this these coaching methods that they've done forever long ingrained and instilled in them as a coach I don't really know if it ever changes. So I'm, that's why I'm a little bit concerned about, you know, Al still being around and coaching so many elite gymnasts. Because it's like, he's had two gymnasts die. He's had one of his top athletes have such a horrible experience with him. Has he really changed? Right. Yeah. Makes I, guess we'll, I guess we'll never know until more girls come forward, maybe someday in the future. And we'll, we'll know different, mm -hmm. but... For now, yeah, he has a lot of girls on the national team who are really good, have promising futures, and I hope that the situation is different for them. Yeah. Another one I quickly wanted to touch on that is a recent thing was Anna Lee and her mom, Gianni Wu. They were both being investigated for claims of physical, verbal, and emotional abuse. And those were complaints that were made to USA Gymnastics in 2017. So it took them two years to investigate the matter, and... From my understanding, they're still being investigated, but USA Gymnastics, two years, they slept on that. Mm -hmm. And they have a similar story to a lot of the other abusive coaches in gymnastics, telling girls they suck, um, talking negatively about gymnasts and their families to other gymnasts, pressuring girls to train or compete while injured. They had complaints from a lot of different gymnasts that all said the same thing. There was another complaint that also said for Gianni Wu that she would pull a girl by her hair down to the ground if she didn't do a skill to her satisfaction. Yeah. So they're still being investigated, from my understanding. And there was also an incident with uh, Ashton Locklear's old coach, Chi Han, if that's how you say it. I believe that's how you say it. But Ashton and four other gymnasts ended up coming forward, and there was a piece done in the New York Times and they it shed some light on how he was like as a coach. So they said that Han reportedly had a fat group where they had to do extra workouts and stuff during practice. He was also seen kicking an injured gymnast at a meet in Texas. And there was actually a complaint filed against him in 2016 by Monica Avery, who was another coach. Uh -huh. And... There was another incident, too, with Sam Serio, who we all know is a gymnast at the University of Auburn. And she said that Han hit her so hard on the head that it left a handprint. And there was a complaint filed by the parent of another gymnast at the time that was training in the gym. And she saw it happen. And she went to file a complaint. But then Han threatened to kick Sam out of the gym if she didn't deny that the incident happened. And she felt pressured not to say anything because her mom was working at the gym. And she also felt that if she left the gym, it would ruin her chances of getting a scholarship. So ultimately, Han made her sign a letter disputing the complaint that was made against him. 
So I'm not sure the status of the investigations that were being done on Han and then also Anna Lee and her mom. I looked online and I couldn't find anything, so I'm not exactly sure if they're still being investigated or what exactly is going on with that. Last, we knew that they were being investigated, but then we haven't heard anything since. So, from my understanding, they're still coaching. I think we saw Anna Lee and her mom were coaching earlier in the year um, because Anna Lee's sister is a level 10 gymnast, and um, they also have several top level 10 gymnasts from that gym. So, I think they were seen coaching. So from my understanding, they're still at it, which is a little scary to think about. It's a, yeah, it's a little problematic to me. Mm -hmm. I think it kind of goes into what we were saying in the very beginning with Maggie Haney and John Gutter. Like, when there is blatant evidence that a coach is being abusive or rarely that they have any sort of, like, mm -hmm. coaching methods that are not ethical, I... <sighs> And when you have so many girls saying the same thing, like, how is that not enough for you? Yeah. And how is that not enough And I understand proof? that they're being investigated, and I know that there's sort of the whole, like, innocent until proven guilty thing. Yeah, there's like, a process. I, I get that. But, I don't know. I feel like something needs to be done. I, I don't think USA Gymnastics is doing enough to ensure that these girls are safe and that... The environment is okay to train and that it is healthy. And I just really can't get over why it takes USA Gymnastics so long to even start an investigation. Why does it take them so long to launch an investigation into these coaches? You know, with Lori and Maggie, it took four years after her complaint after the Olympics for them to finally do something about it. She's just now being suspended. Yeah. They sat on Anna Lee and her mom's complaints for two years before they investigated her. Another classic example of USA Gymnastics not acting quick enough or doing anything at all, I guess, is, you know, with John Getter. We we talked a lot about John Getter, but what we didn't mention was he actually had police investigations that he was a part of. You know, he was the subject of two police investigations. One in 2011 where he allegedly chest bumped a female employee after an argument at the gym. And I guess that happened in the parking lot. And then in 2013, he stepped on a gymnast's foot and pushed her into the wall. Yeah. So these were instances where the police were actually involved. And USA Gymnastics did nothing. Like, not even, like, a suspension. No, and until it was I, looked into. I read online that he was talked to about, like, needing to change his ways. But that's not enough. No. Clearly it's not enough. And when a coach has a police investigation, two of them, for God's sake, you know... That should be enough for USA Gymnastics to be like, this person's done. put their done. foot down. Yeah, to be like, that's enough, we're done. And yeah, Gatterett wasn't suspended until his name was brought up multiple times during Nasser's sentencing. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I think it begs the question, like, why does it take so long? I think this is evidence that USA Gymnastics values money and medals and these types of coaches have had success in the past. All of these coaches that we've talked about today, and even the ones that we didn't talk about, like Arthur Kopian mm -hmm. with Maddie Larson and Sam Shapiro and Michaela Maroney, the successful girls that have come out of that gym, there's so many coaches who have gotten away with this for so many years, and they produce champions, and that's what USA Gymnastics cares about. Marvin they Sharp, too. Yeah, Marvin Sharp's another one. Like, there's so many. USA Gymnastics prioritizes and cares about money and medals. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the answer to your question. They're willing to win at any cost. Yeah, truly. 
All right, so let's talk about some traits that these all these coaches have in common and things that make them problematic coaches. And these are things that parents and gymnasts going forward, I think, can look for in determining if a coach is problematic or not, just to um, be point blank. Yeah, potentially abusive, controlling, manipulative. Yeah, I definitely think these are things that a lot of these coaches had in common. Mm-hmm. And now knowing what we know, um, I do think it's something that we can use, information we can use going forward to hopefully prevent some of this from happening in the future. Definitely. So the first one I think is the coach getting too close with their athletes and creating almost like a imbalanced power dynamic. Um, one of the biggest things that comes to mind for me is Maggie Haney and the relationship that everyone could see that she had with her girls through social media. So, like, liking their photos, commenting on all their photos. Even if you go back and look at her Instagram, all the comments that she would make about her gymnast on her own Instagram, you know, very loving and seemingly very supportive and almost creating, like, a friend-like relationship with her athletes. Which sort of blends the the boundary between coach and athlete. Mm-hmm. It makes it almost sort of seem like a friendship or like a family relationship. Yeah. Which I think on the surface doesn't seem like a bad thing. But I think knowing what we know now about abuse and how coaches can manipulate girls into like emotionally feeling like they owe their coach something. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what happened with Lori, especially after the Olympics. Yeah, like, when you when you cross the boundary of just athlete and coach in the gym, like a normal coaching relationship, I think it's easier for the coach to manipulate or have control of or to even silence their athletes from speaking out if they do have a problem with something. Yeah. And the athlete might even feel guilty because it's like this person was so nice to me, yeah. this person did so much for me, they helped me reach my goal. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna talk about you know X, Y, and Z. This mm-hmm. that was said to me. This that was done to me. Yeah, and Lori talked it feels about like Yeah, and Lori talked about in the past how she used to spend the night at Maggie's house, and she would take her to the gym sometimes in the morning, and it almost kind of ropes the parents into it too because the parents are having a relationship with a coach and. You know, they're, the, the coach is helping out their daughter by helping her, you know, get to practice or letting her spend the night if, you know, it was before a competition or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, they can potentially view that as the coach is helping them and they're helping their daughter. Yeah, so why why couldn't you trust them? Yeah, and it kind of reminds me of, like, the grooming techniques that are often talked about when you talk about, like, sexual abuse. And, you know, doing little things like even what Maggie would do to gain the trust of the gymnast and the parent and having that to potentially manipulate them in the future to her benefit when it comes to, you know, keeping things that are inappropriate silent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, And that's also something that I think we saw with John Geddard a lot, but seeking relationships, like sexual relationships with his gymnast. Playing favorites. Yeah. It all kind of falls under the same... Thin where you're, you know, crossing a boundary that shouldn't be crossed, and there's a power dynamic issue there. Yeah. There should never be that with a coach and an athlete. Another thing that I think is 
concerning is when you see a coach getting angry at a gymnast in competition or training, really. Um, but we see it more the public season in a competition setting or like them almost giving up on the athlete. Like you can see that sometimes. And of course, John Gutter, again, is a perfect example because he has been seen several times throwing his arms up and getting angry at his gymnast. Yeah, and um, that's a major red flag to me. Yeah. Like, you can't even keep it together in public. I can only imagine what you're doing behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you go back and watch um, Alyssa Alashari's Beamer team from Classics in 2015, you can literally see John in the background by the curtains um, when she falls off the beam he, like, walks away, and he puts his hands on his hips, and he, you, he's visibly angry, and then he hits the curtain. He just, like, smacks it, and you can see this. It's literally on YouTube. Go look right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then he did a similar thing in 2014 with Delaney Harkness on Beam Classics, and she fell off the beam, and you can see him in the background, like, visibly angry, he turns around, walks away, and he, he comes back after, like, 10 seconds. Like, he had to, like, collect himself and then come back. Yeah. And there was also, not, like, video proof of this, but there was a lot of um, rumors. Or, yeah, that at the U.S. Championships in 2010, Jordan Weber was kind of having a bad meet. Um, she had a fall on bars, and she went to beam. She had three falls on beam, and allegedly he, like, walked out of the arena. Like, he was so pissed that he just left. Mm-hmm. Um, and she hasn't spoken about that or anything, but I wouldn't be surprised if that were true because... You know, we have seen him in the past get angry at his gymnast for messing up in a competition. Yeah. The Crowleys are another one that do that. Um, you know, Dominique, Maddie Larson. You know, we talked about how they said they felt shunned after they made mistakes at a competition. And same with Arthur Copian mm-hmm. and Maddie after Worlds. Yep. Um, and then even uh, Maggie and Riley. That's kind of the, the downfall of their relationship was at the World Cup where she had a vault that Maggie wasn't satisfied with and... Um, yeah, it's like she got mad, apparently to the point where it was concerning for somebody else, an outsider from another organization, to be like, I need to report this. Yeah. I definitely think that's something that parents, that's a good place for parents to observe, is at a competition. Because mm-hmm. to me, like I kind of said earlier, it's like, if they can't keep it together during a competition where they know they're being watched, where they know that they're potentially even on camera... If they can't keep it together then, then, like, I would be concerned about what's happening when no one's around. Yeah. And also, just, like, what message does that send when the coach is getting so visibly angry at the gymnast for making a mistake? Like, this is gymnastics, first of all. Mistakes happen all the time. And I think it shows that, like, they only care about the athlete if they win. Mm -hmm. And that might not actually be the case, but I think that's definitely a message that they're potentially sending to the athlete when the, the, when they see that their coach is so angry with them it's like i have to win or i have to never make mistakes in order for you to approve of me yeah and or that's to, or even just to coach me mm-hmm. and that's really problematic um, another thing is we hear a lot forcing the gymnast to train or compete while injured i feel like that's a really common one that we hear in a lot of these cases of abuse and I think that shows the coach's willingness to risk not only the athlete's like dreams, but also their health for whatever it is that they want, whether it's them to compete at this meet, to compete at the ranch, in front of Marta, you know, whatever it is that they're trying to get out of the experience, I think it speaks volumes about where their priorities are. Yeah, it's the coach's motive mm-hmm. over what's best for the gymnast. Yeah. 
And the Maggie Haney Riley 2017 classics is the perfect example of that. There's no reason she should have been forcing Riley to be prepared for classics when it was just not relevant to the grand scheme of things. And also to Riley's health. And Riley has struggled with injuries. Yeah. Um, and it, now it all makes sense why. It's because Maggie is pushing her in times where she shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing I think is kind of obvious, but the emotional abuse and the words that coaches say to their athletes, I think that gymnasts sometimes, um, you know, they're really affected by it. I think that they we often downplay emotional abuse and how it can destroy an athlete's confidence and their self-esteem. Th- these are young girls, and... You know, the name-calling and the coaches being overly critical of their weight or their physical appearance, you know, tearing them down like that. That that'll, that would do anything to any young girl, gymnast or not. Yeah. And, and I think that we kind of alluded to this earlier, but it's like, when you constantly are tearing down a young gymnast, that makes it even harder for them to speak up, mm-hmm. even to, like, their parents even. Like, they just start to completely lose their sense of self-worth and... Um, they always think that they're wrong, they're doing something wrong, they're not good enough, and... That car- that carries with them into their adult life. Yeah, and it d- diminishes their beliefs and their abilities that they feel they have within themselves to speak up when something isn't right, or tell a parent, or tell a coach, tell anybody. You mm-hmm. know, it, it, it's there's just this culture within USA Gymnastics where it's like, hush, hush, don't say anything, and... And there's so many people that defend that, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you see with a lot of these coaches, if you look at, like, the news stories or, like, their social media pages, you'll see that they have supporters. There, There's plenty of people out there that support John Getter. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of people out there that are supporting Maggie Haney and, you know, so on. There's people that are supporting Larry Nasser. Um, and that's kind of crazy to me that so many girls could speak out about something and there's still people out there that don't believe them. And, yeah, it's just crazy to think about so what do you think can be done like about this so we we know the history we know some of the red flags to look for now but like what where do we go from here well i think the first step is having quicker investigations upon receiving a complaint so when usa gymnastics has information about a coach being potentially abusive um, they need to look into that right away, not wait two years, four years. You know, we've we've seen long timetables in the past with some of these cases. That's not acceptable, I don't think. And I also think that there should be an immediate suspension until a thorough investigation is done. Um, and even if it's just like a supervisive suspension, like you can only coach if so-and-so is with you or something. Maybe someone from like Safe Sport. Yeah, um, that way they can ensure that the athletes are safe while they they do their process and in investigating. Because um, I don't think it's necessarily fair to like suspend somebody without doing an investigation. Like right. I don't think you can just tell, especially when they're currently it's competing. It's the whole innocent until proven guilty. Yeah, and like I understand with Maggie, it's hard because she had a current competing elites and Olympic contenders, so you can't just like rip the coach away. Um, but she definitely does, you know, she needed to be investigated right away, and she also maybe needed to have someone with her until the investigation was done and then a decision was made. Yeah. There's also the rule, I know Maggie's gym had this rule, and I'm I'm sure a lot of other gyms did as well, but having policies in place about not having, like, parents in the gym, Mm -hmm. to me that just seems like... Like, if I'm a parent and I'm paying to send my athlete to this gym... 
like I'm gonna come watch practice if I want to. Yeah. Like it, you don't get to tell me as a paying I don't want to say like client, but that's essentially what it is. Yeah. That I can't see my child train. And also like if you're so adamant about not having parents in the gym, that tells me that you're hiding something. There's something that you don't want people to see. Yeah. So I don't think there should be a problem with parents watching if they want to watch um so i think that's a rule that needs to be applied to every gym that there should be no no parent in the gym rules usa gymnastics should not allow that yeah i also think as far as making reports there should be some sort of system where a gymnast can complain or express concerns anonymously if they want um especially for like the national team members and girls that have a lot more at stake they should be able to make a complaint or express a concern that they have about their coach to have them be investigated. Without fear of retaliation. Yeah, and not necessarily having their name attached to the complaint. I think that would be a very big thing, and that should be something that, like, all the national team members are aware of. And it should be, like, an easy process. Um, Like, even if it's as far as, like, a website, there's a form they have to fill out online. Something quick and easy that they can do, and I think that would help them to feel more safe and comfortable. Mm -hmm. I also think that... Having, like, yearly, at least once a year, I mean, I think you could potentially even do more, but yearly training for the coaches, and I'm not talking, like, the dumb trainings that you have to do when you get a new job and you sit at a computer and you just click through all the slides, not like that, I'm talking, like, a real in-person training for coaches to constantly be reminded of what's acceptable and what's not, and also to be reminded of the consequences of what will happen if you choose to, you know, speak this way to your athletes or if you choose to tell your athletes not to go to a doctor, you know, on and on the list goes. Yeah. I think that that could potentially be something that's done at the national team camps. Um, The coaches could gather for one night and talk about these things and discuss, like have like real conversations about what coaches are doing, what's not acceptable. Um, Finding different ways to handle maybe situations where a coach doesn't know how to handle it. Like, getting that real advice from another coach. Yeah. Something like that, I think, could be really helpful. I also think that they could do that, like, you said, like, once a year. But, like, I'm also thinking, like, why not every month at the national team training camps? Right, sure. I mean, I said once a year just because I think that's a good starting point. Yeah. But you could definitely go further into it if you wanted. You know, overall, I think that USA Gymnastics has made some small improvements within the culture of the sport, but I still think that we have a long way to go. I think that it's going to take a while to make some of these changes and sort of weed out, I guess, the bad apples, Yeah, you say. It took so long for things to build up to this point and to get to how they are today that I do think it's going to take a while to unravel the mess that has been created. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah, it is going to take a while. And I I think that small steps are being made to take the sport into the direction that we want it to go in. And that's a large part of that is credit to the brave athletes that speak up. We have so much respect for those girls for, you know, being brave enough to come forward. And a lot of them do it publicly. They're having their name, you know, be out there. And they're putting their, their career potentially on the line. Um, friendships on the line, mm-hmm. relationships, and, even with parents. Yeah. Like, there's so many things that go into why an athlete does or doesn't choose to report abuse. And I'm so glad that we're finally seeing girls who feel comfortable 
coming forward and they're getting support from other gymnasts that we're seeing and yeah and they're not afraid of you know retaliation or anything anymore they're not afraid if their coach or whoever it is that they're making the complaint against they're not afraid if that person knows that they're complaining about it i think that's really cool it's kind of badass yeah and you know we see so many girls on social media nowadays they're using their social media to speak out there's been lawsuits. I mean, there, there's so many ways in which these girls have fought for the changes that we're starting to see. Yeah, and they're not being silenced anymore. Yeah. I think the culture of gymnastics in the United States is slowly changing. And I don't know, I'm hopeful for the future. I think that the abusive tactics of the past aren't being tolerated anymore. And we're starting to see that more and more as time goes on. And I'm crossing my fingers that things continue on an upward trend. Alright guys, that does it for today's episode. We want to hear from you guys on what you think of what we talked about today. So, the Maggie Haney suspension, any of the coaches that we mentioned on today's episode. We want to hear what you guys think about what USA Gymnastics is doing, how they're handling everything, and what you think needs to happen in order for the culture of the sport to truly change. So, feel free to reach out on social media. We're at All Things Gym Pod, and we really look forward to hearing from you guys. We hope you guys have a great rest of the week, and we will talk to you next Monday. Bye. Bye.